Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The shift towards sustainability in every part of our lives has been incredible over the past few years. This, of course, is driven substantially by the environmental challenges, not just for the people in Ireland, but people globally. However, sustainability doesn't just encompass the environment, it also addresses economics and social concerns. Chagas has been in this space for some time, and a new initiative called the Signpost Programme, which was launched this year, aims to address these challenges. The Signpost Farm has broad support and funding from the industry and works with commercial farmers to jointly implement identified science-based solutions on these farms, and crucially, to demonstrate this practice to other farmers, to act like lighthouses for change, if you will. Over the coming months, the Tillage Edge podcast will hear from a number of these crops signpost farms and other farms we're working closely with. So today I'm delighted to be joined by John Crowley, a farmer from Wexford, who is a signpost farmer and also participating in the Chagas Joint Programme. And I'm also joined by Owen Lines, the Chagas Bormall Joint Programme Advisor, who's been working closely with John over the past few years. John and Owen, you're very welcome to the podcast. John, I'll first come to you. John, maybe you might tell us just a little bit about your farm in terms of the areas growing, types of cultivation system, that kind of thing. Yeah, look, I'm farming about 180 acres of combinable crops. Uh, some winter barley, some beans, but it's predominantly spring malting barley. Uh, I just found it to be the best financially for me uh, over the years. Uh, I'm doing most work myself, uh, everything apart from combining, which I sold the combine a couple of years ago. It just goes too difficult to get all the work done on my own. And then I also work off farm doing a small amount of contracting. Lovely. So um, in terms of your cultivation system, John, what's, um, what you, is it a plow-based system you're using or what's the kind of system you're using? Yeah, plow-based uh, system at the moment. Uh, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of looking into more of a non-diversion plowing or direct drilling, but at the moment, looking between cost and Cost and my soil type and what works best in my land, the plough at the moment is still winning that race. Okay, well, that's fair enough. And then I press a heavy press after the plough, just with this type of soil I have, it's quite stony. It just seems to be the best way to um, to, to cultivate soil before sowing. Okay. And and John, are you working on all own ground or do you have some rented ground in the system? Um, actually, most of my land, or more than half my land, is leased in on a long-term lease. Um, it's uh, which also means I'm releasing an entitlement as well. It would have been naked land, uh, but it's it's currently it's 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 working out. I, I probably wouldn't mind another couple of acres, but it's at the moment it seems to be just about the right size for me. Okay, so it's pretty stable. You're not you're not in the, in in the land market every year kind of thing. It's a it's a pretty stable. Day. No, but pressure is mounting. <laughs> you know, on I all land at the moment. I think. Uh, pressure from, I suppose, dairy and high entitlement owners as well, I suppose, would be putting big pressure, would be kind of, I'd be hoping that that might change under the new cap, that maybe people with high entitlements wouldn't be looking for land for entitlements, um, as seems to be happening more and more in this area. But uh, dairy and even other tillage farms, but it's a, yeah, it's a snatch and grab market at the moment, but I've been okay. I've had this land for about seven, no, eight years now, and so far I'm 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 still holding my ground for, for the moment. Anyway, yeah, that's great because like like it always gives you a chance, I suppose, to make sure if you're in there for the longer term that ground is in good health and and, and good status, so you can get good deals rather than jumping in and out of various different bits of ground. 
Uh, yes, John, exactly. John, can I just ask, I know you, you are participating for some time now in the Monitor Farms for our uh, Chagas Bormos joint programme, uh, and you're still in that, but you've also um, signed up, if you like, for our Signpost Farm programme as well. Why, or maybe uh, I think listeners will be interested in, why are you putting yourself forward for these programmes? I'm just sucking for punishment, Michael. Um, <laughs> the, no, look, uh, I find I do get an awful lot of advice um, from many sources in Chagas um, uh, in these programs. Uh, own that's here today as well has just been fantastic, I have to say, over the years. Um, but look, as well as that, I, I would consider myself on the, the smaller side of a medium-sized tillage farm, um, where, as I said earlier, most, the mo- more than half my land is rented in. I'm doing the work myself. I kind of think that these programs need to look at my type of farm. Uh, what I've seen over the years, I think it's changing now, but that these types of programs would have before have often gone to the large scale farm and it, it might skew the, the figures at the end of it. While it's good to see my size, plow based, um, as I say, on the smaller side, side of medium, to see bit more reality and for most of the farmers my area will be kind of similar size to me and for everyone in the area then to see what can be done on our size of farms okay well look you've been you've been a great um, uh, ambassador for the for the uh, Chagas Bormal program so far and I'm sure that'll continue for the next number of years Owen I just want to come to you for a second Owen you're um, the advisor in the Chagas Bormal program you might just tell the listeners just a little bit around the program and what that's trying to achieve. Yeah, Michael. So I suppose look, the program is basically it's a collaboration between ourselves in Chagas and Bourpont. And really, the reason that the that the program came around was that you know we see that the market for malt and barley is ever increasing. But you know, from profit monitor results may be coming back in from farmers. We saw that in a ranking of most profitable crops that that farmers could grow. Malt and barley just seemed to be slipping down a lot, um, you know, and other crops were, were that bit more profitable. And in reality, you know, farmers have to grow the most profitable crop they can. So our aim, our main aim for the project was to try and improve that profitability of malt and barley for Irish growers. And really, it's, it's a lofty aim, but what we're trying to do is, is get malt and barley comparable uh, financially to first winter wheat. As we have seen that first winter wheat will leave the most money um, for our growers. So look, as part of the programme, we have a number of aims, but just to give you a flavour of the main ones, I suppose. Um, as I said, look, financially, we're trying to make it the most profitable. And then to achieve that, you know, we've set up a, a kind of established a targeted knowledge transfer programme that's aimed at malt and barley. And that wasn't really there before, you know, there was there was no specific programme that just focused on malt and barley. So that that's what we aim to achieve as part of the programme. And we also looked at, at improving nutrient management planning for malt and barley growers, because we all know that, you know, nitrogen rate has such an impact on, on achieving the protein uh, spec for malt and barley. So we really wanted to look in depth um, at getting the nutrient status of our malt and barley soils correct. And then finally, then we had a series of monitor farms, which, which John is part of, and they're there to you know, to complete sort of topical malt and barley demos or trials for us and also be part of our, our knowledge transfer programme. So, you know, they're, they're a vital part of, of what the programme is all about. And as you mentioned, profitability, I, I presume the profitability is very much aligned to the amount of malt and barley that can 
ultimately be got over the Weybridge um, in, in Boromalt. Um, and, and I presume in behind that, lined up with that, is the amount of the total demand, if you like, for malt and barley has increased substantially. So trying to get more malt and barley into the system is ultimately going to be, uh, I suppose, a goal from the Boromalt side of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we would have seen that from profit monitor results, as you said, the more barley that we can get in as malt, you know, that if it's sown as malt, that it, that it gets um, to the maltings rather than the feed heap, you know, the, the better profitability we can get from the crop and, and not get that dilution factor. Whereas, you know, the, the price of that we're getting for maybe if half our barley has to go for feed that we're dragging down the overall price that we're getting for our malting crop. And really it's, you know, it's, it's hitting the, the profitability. So John is one of the the um, monitor farms out there. You mentioned other farms that you have around the, the the country. How do those farms fit into the program? Just on the monitor farms, I suppose you know we aimed to pick the monitor farms in each of the main Bourke malt uh, malt and barley areas, and that was was really focused in the, in the southeast of the country. So look, in total, we have six farms, and the location of these are we have one just on the border between Leash and Kildare in, in Strabelly uh, in County Leash. We have one just outside Carlow Town, one just outside Kilkenny, uh, John, which is in Ferns, uh, one in New Ross, and then our final one uh, is, is down on the coast in Wexford, uh, down on Fetterdon Sea. So really, as I was saying, the role of the monitor farm is primarily there to carry out best practice uh, in relation to malt and barley production, and then to try and take this um, this best practice and then disseminate to, to other growers in the area um, through our, our series of malt and barley uh, crop walks, events and workshops. And really the, the aim of having, you know, specific uh, monitor farms in each of the different areas was so that we could we could tackle issues that, uh, that um, you know, that, that each farmer in the particular areas are facing, you know, rather than having maybe just one monitor farm in a central location, and trying to, you know, disseminate general information to a wide number of people. We really thought that by getting, you know, local farmers in local area, we could really tackle the issues on a local level. And a step on then from monitor farms as well, you know, they also carry out a series of crop demos for us. Um, you know, things like maybe catch crop establishment, we did sort of ramillary control options, um, the effective line that we did out on John's farm. And, you know, these are kind of, tackling areas that, that, are, that are topical with growers um, and they can come and see them on monitor farms as part of, of um, our crop walks and events, which are really interesting uh, for growers to see. So it's tackling local problems and demonstrating it local to farmers makes it more relevant, I suppose, for practice change, I suppose, maybe is what, is what yeah, you're saying behind it. Yeah. Oh, and if we just maybe turn back to John's farm for a second, um, as you were and you have been working with John for for a while now, and you've, you, I'm sure you've jointly identified areas which could be maybe tweaked or improved on John's farm over the last number of years. Uh, you might maybe give us an idea of one or two of those, um, which is helping John to deliver more inspect barley. From what we've seen is that that all the monitor farms, you know, they're throwing up different challenges in 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 relation to to achieving them quality crops in malt and barley. And what the main thing that I've seen on John's farm since since I've been working on the farm, and, and John touched on it there is the soil type um, that, that John is farming on. So, you know, the soil on John's farm, it's, it's a typical Clonroach series soil, which is, is found, you know, throughout Wexford. But it's very free draining and it makes it excellent for, for you know, for 
producing quality crops of spring malt and barley. But what we have seen is that the pressing of this land and getting seabed consolidation, you know, is really vital for getting good establishment uh, of, of your malt and barley crop or spring barley crop in general. So look, John, he touched on it there. You know, John has run a plough press um, directly after the plough, then followed by a heavy ring press and then drills then with, with a disc drill. So it's all about getting that, that, that seabed consolidation uh, on that on that type of soil. So we've actually looked at different demos on the farm where, you know, we've left areas maybe with only one pass of the press uh, rather than two. And that's just to give an indication of where establishment would be if we were to cut out one of the passes with the press. And, you know, I think John would, would agree with me here. I think that he probably have an interest maybe of, of not wanting to go with, with, with one run of the press because you know it does cost money every time you go across the, the land but really what we've seen by leaving out that run with the press on the land we were getting you know somewhere in an average of 50 plants per meter squared less compared where we had gone with, with two runs of a press so you know it's a lot of plants and really you know if we have that less plants we're inevitably going to have uh, less yield and a higher protein rate because of that, that lower dilution factor in the crop so, you know, really what we've learned from this from John's farm is that it's, it's vital to know your soil type on your farm and try and work your seabed accordingly to that in order to try and both maximise yield potential and um, protein content of the grain for the crop. Okay, John, do you want to comment on that? Because obviously there's, there's uh, that's 50 plants per metre square. That's, that's quite significant, but it does come at a cost in terms of um, your own time and, 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 and fuel and machinery to, to, to get those extra passes in. Yeah, look, over the years, we've tried different systems of um, using the ring roller type after plowing. We've now found that the, the very heavy press is what gives the correct consolidation on the soil and what prepares the soil best for the sower. Um, I know a lot of people would say light land, I should just go min-till, non-aversion plowing. But the, the plow-based system, for cost-wise alone and establishment does uh, at the moment we seem we can't beat it and look i i myself and all the chat there many times about the the possibility of looking into a trial maybe of doing you know min till versus plow versus direct drilling and and how it would work on a on a predominantly spring cereal type farm like my own but it's um it's hard to beat the the, the old system the, the plow and the press and i, I would be shallow plowing six inches would generally be where I'd be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the soil to, to, to plow much deep enough, to be honest. But it's the, the heavy press seems to be the, the winner. And obviously, John, obviously, John, then there, there, there's, a, there's a, obviously a fine line then between consolidation on one hand and compaction on the other hand. How are you managing that? Uh, I think as one old-time farmer said one day, you could run a steamroller on my land. Um, it's very difficult to, to, or to compact my land. Uh, in the couple of wet winter sowings we've had recently, I it would have shown up some aspects of it, but generally my land is so light. I, we done a, a a soil structure analysis uh, recently where it just shows the, the the layers of soil on it, and a rock is is so close to topsoil. You're talking between four to eight inches of topsoil in the land, and then uh, under that, then anything from 
zero to two meters of subsoil, but it, it's a very free draining, very light land compaction generally doesn't rear its head. Okay. Well, that's, that, that's good in itself. It gives you plenty of, of scope to, uh, to get your seedbed right, as, as Owen was mentioning. John, yes. maybe you might just turn back maybe to the signpost farms, which is kind of around sustainability. Um, and a lot of it, I suppose, is around kind of the environment point of view. How going into this, because obviously it's the start of your journey on this, how would you rate the sustainability on your farm? I'm glad you said the, the environmental sustainability, as I've been saying from the start, the environmental and financial uh, the sustainability both need to be fairly heavily interlinked but well, I think that's actually even coming true now with the uh, the new straw chopping scheme which I did take advantage of there last year which I found did work very well for me I had lost some straw sales to customers putting in cubicles and that and over recent years where I'm based in Wexford which is generally the last place the lorries go for straw after harvest uh, but the straw chopping scheme definitely benefited this farm uh, this year. Um, apart from that, then I do have 12 acres of planted land trees, and there's also three acres of native wo- woodland there, which definitely would be helping into the, the sustainability. Um, I have small field size as well, 6.9 acre average field size, which is supposed to be quite unusual for a tillage farm, but it does mean I do have a, an awful lot of hedges on the farm as well. Uh, so overall, I'd say now I'm pretty good up a scale. Look, there's definitely improvements to be made and or it, and even improvements that I'm surprised to hear I have to make, I suppose. And that's where the signpost program is definitely uh, leading the way for me. Anyway. And, and thinking about that in terms of your hedges and woodland, um, have you done any assessments on those of late in terms of how you might manage those differently in the future? Yeah, well, look, uh, I suppose starting the hedges, uh, Owen actually recently worked out of 12.1 kilometers of hedgerows on the farm. Wow. Uh, most are good, but some need more work and to find out what is the best style and shape of hedgerow and how I can improve my hedgerows from both a biodiversity point of view and a carbon sequestration type point of view. Um, so there's improvements needed to, to happen there the woodland then i have my father would have actually have sold the 12 acres back in the um late 80s early, early 90s so that's kind of coming to maturity now as well um it's never been tinned because it's a long narrow strip uh, i've just kind of been tinning it myself for firewood basically for my own mother's house in my house and it's even starting. I'm starting to wonder now, should it be clear felled at all? Like, is there an option there? Maybe they're going forward that I should keep it not clear felled from the carbon point of view. Yeah. And even as a, just a, a, a nice asset to the farm to have this piece of land, it's the, where it's sown. It was on land that was never tillable, uh, and it was kind of more of a bog and type of land. But I, I would love to know, like, even from, from the department, even if there was something that they could do to give me some sort of uh, incentive to not touch those that that area of trees the leaves in there to 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 have and from the carbon side of things it would be great for every in the area as well like yeah well obviously it's a it's a part of the program and and uh, i think Owen and um kieran your advisor will be trying to line up a few experts to come in and maybe do an assessment of that because i certainly know there's a bit of work um, ongoing and maybe some good information there as regards to uh, 
what did you call it? Uh, is it mixed woodland, or I'm not exactly sure what the phrase is, but where you where you where you thin it out and you um you don't clear a fellow, but you 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 still can can take some parts of it out of it. But yes, um, I, I think your 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 point is 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 very well made. I think in terms of trying to retain it if you can. Um, guys, the, the the time is probably getting away from us a little bit, but Owen, I just want to come back to you maybe finally, and uh, you might just give listeners a a view maybe on if they're going to come down to John's farm, because hopefully the, we will have open days um, in, in the coming months in John's farm. What's the big areas do you think that um, other farmers will find of interest on John's farm? Yeah, look, I suppose from from our, our initial type of um you know, assessment of the farm from the signpost series, we know that John's farm with the soil type and the cropping type, you know, there's a high level or risk of um, of nitrate loss. So cash crops, you know, they're going to be a huge part of the signpost program going forward on John's farm. And I suppose to that, we have a, a demo in place on the farm where we're looking at um, different sowing dates of cash crops and, and you know, how how effective the catch crop is basically based on sowing date. So we have three sowing dates on the farm. We have sort of from the 20th of August sowing date, a 1st of September sowing date, and a 15th of September sowing date. And we're looking at the looking at the catch crops all, all through the autumn there, you know, just to assess, you know, the, the impact that sowing date um, has on, on, on the potential of the catch crop. But look, I suppose looking forward into the spring, John touched on it there that, you know, it has an interest maybe in, in different establishment systems. And what we're hoping to do is put a demo uh, in place on the farm where we look at three different establishment systems for spring modern barley, which would include ploughing, which John is currently doing, min tilling, and then direct drilling, um, all into catch crop um, land or where catch crops have been established on the land. Um, now, look, I suppose it is hard to look away from the plough um, on the particular, I suppose, cropping type and um, soil type that John has. You know, the, the plough, you know, it, it, it is the most financially, I suppose, stable system that, that John could, could um, use on the farm because, you know, it produces good crops nearly every year on the land. Um, and, you know, malt and barley is, is the most profitable crop that, that John can grow. But look, I suppose... As part of the signpost program and, and the board malt joint program, we hope that we can do an in-depth analysis of each of the systems and have a, a good demo um, and very visually tight demo that, that farmers can come during the year um, at, our, at our various events, you know, and, and sort of look at the progression of the crops under the various establishment systems. And, and we hope to, to track the progression of the crops as well and, and look at both maybe the financial, financial and environmental sustainability of each system uh, on the farm. I suppose, Owen, I think it's great to hear that you're doing a little bit of that, uh, Owen and John, because obviously John has to be very much a part of that. But if you, uh, if, you, if you don't try it, you'll never know. And if you don't measure it, you'll never be able to change. So, I mean, I think it's very good to be able to do that. John and Owen, um, I'm really delighted you could join me today. I um, hope maybe, John, you might be up first, maybe come back and revisit you again at some stage in 2022 to see how you're getting on. Um, no so, gentlemen, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for the Tillage Edge. And my thanks to Owen and John for joining me on the podcast. As I mentioned at the start, we'll be chatting to other farmers involved in the signpost program over the coming months, so look out for those episodes. Finally, don't forget if you like the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague, and as always, rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening, 
I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.